0: That's EUFY Video Lock. Or visit UFYOfficial.com slash Video Lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's UFY Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. You should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When spring arrives, you know what comes with it. Allergies, stuffy nose, cough, sore throat. So there's no better time to assess whether or not you're getting everything you need from your pharmacy. And the only place to go is Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's is a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years and it provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. You can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at cheniespharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy.
1: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett.
0: It's up, It's up, It's up, It's, up, it's up. is talk of champions i'm ben garrett at spirit been on twitter and the co-host chair is colin brister today's guest on talk of champions bradley sow on the modern women phone line colin what's up man
1: not much man it's uh it's that weird time of year for Ole mess athletics baseball's kind of getting to the swing of things basketball doesn't really play games that matter i guess until they get to nashville um so it's just a little bit of downtime for Ole mess i know the uh the combine i guess is is this weekend so it'll be interesting to follow but um yeah, just kind of a little bit of downtime for the uh, baseball teams get into SEC play. The NFL Draft Combine is this week. Got former Ole Miss
0: offensive lineman, current Chicago Bear Bradley Sal on the Modern Women phone line coming up in about 15 minutes. But other than that, you're right. It's Ole Miss baseball, basketball. It's done. It's over. For all intents yeah. and purposes, it's over. Save for a miraculous run in the SEC tournament and clinching a bid. Ole Miss is not going to play in the postseason. Not just the NCAA tournament, but the NIT. They've lost three straight games. It's been tough. You hate to see Brian Tyree go out this way, but now all focus turns to the offseason, what Kermit Davis could do in the spring. We don't know yet. Um, But baseball-wise, I know Xavier is not a particularly strong team, but they're competitive. They beat Memphis in Game 1, turned around, lost the series, but they come into Oxford and get absolutely humiliated because Ole Miss ran roughshod over them. Pitching was dominant. Only eight hits to nine home runs for Xavier on Sunday in this sweep clinching game. Gunnar Hoagland was masterful. Doug Nikesi and two other pitchers combined for the first combined no-hitter since 1966. Ole Miss is six and one has won six straight. This is a pretty impressive start, to say the least.
1: Yeah, I don't think Mike Bianco would have uh would have turned down six and one with the series win over Louisville. Um, so yeah, you know, look, obviously there was a lot of concern after the Alcorn game. And I think there is some, some concerning parts of this team. I won't lie. The bullpen scares me. Um, but yeah, you take this so far and you take Gunnar Hoagland and how he's performed and Tim Elko and how he's performed. And you kind of look at that, man, this thing's got a, uh, this thing's got a shot to get rolling, especially if Tyler Keenan comes along.
0: Seven game MVPs, Anthony Servideo.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Not even close. Uh hitting 500, four home runs. That power, man. I don't, you know, we don't do a lot of draft stuff, but man, if that power is real, is he a first round guy? Top three rounds at least. Good God, I mean, I don't know where that power is coming from, but he's a dynamic defender. Can play a multitude of positions. I think he plays a pretty good shortstop, and man, the way he's swinging the bat right now, I mean, goodness gracious, it's it's certainly a plus for Ole Miss. A
0: lot of people are surprised that Anthony Servidio has been so good so early. We need to remember, freshman year, it was tough at the plate because he couldn't hit left-handed pitching. One hit and 27 at-bats against Southpaws as a freshman. As a sophomore, he got incrementally better. And he played all over the field. Right field, center field, shortstop, second base, didn't matter. He could play anywhere. Defensive versatility added that to his game And he showed he was at least capable against left-handers. This year, he's put it all together so far. Now, of course, it's a very, very small sample. But he still hit four home runs, which matches the combined total of his first two seasons at Ole Miss. This is exactly what you wanted to see out of Anthony Servidio in the first seven games. If nothing else, you knew that defensively he was going to be there. But offensively... Ole Miss has not hit for a good average, hasn't really collected a ton of hits, but they've hit the long ball. None of us really thought that Ole Miss, from an offensive standpoint, was going to be a power-hitting team. We thought they could hit for power, but it was with a lot of caveats like Hayden Leatherwood or Kel Baker or both of them. Any of those newcomers, those transfers, whoever, they had to bring something like that. They had to be the ones to supply the power that was lost. We didn't really factor in Anthony (laughs) Servidio. But that's what he's done. This has kind of been the career trajectory for him. He's added something every single year. This is what you expect to see
1: in a year three breakout yeah he's one of the more dynamic players in the country frankly if he's going to keep the power up because he's a he's a nuisance on the bases and you're right you know you you get the power from you know kale baker and hayden and leatherwood or you think you do and those guys have been extremely good leatherwood hits the walk-off home run yesterday i guess it's technically considered a walk-off i don't know how the phrasing that it is it's works.
0: a walk-off it's a 10-run uh, sure. mercy rule walk-off but it's a walk-off
1: <laughs> all right well, well yep sure um but, yeah, look, I think this team's been really good, and I think the guys that you needed to be good have been good. Um, you know, I, I I think they have a shot, man. I really do. Gunnar Hoagland has been really good on the mound. Tim Elko has been really good at the plate. I'm kind of tired of Mike taking him out of the lineup. I think he should be on the field every single day. Um, if you're going to take somebody else out, figure figure out another spot because I, I don't really think it's fair to that kid right now to, to limit his at-bats.
0: I'm surprised Kevin Graham keeps getting at-bats this early because he's not really doing <laughs> anything with them.
1: Yeah, against righties, I don't really mind it, because there was a good enough sample size last year that he's pretty good against them, but he should never hit against a lefty uh, like again, ever.
0: And he should never play the field if he doesn't have to. It was strange. I'm not going to question much of anything about Mike Bianco in the early um, parts of this season, because he's been really good. Sure. Yeah, I agree. But Sunday, I scratch my head. Kevin Graham is playing left field, and Hayden Leatherwood
1: is DHing. Well, let me present this. Is it possible that Hayden Leatherwood doesn't need defensive reps and Kevin Graham does? Like, I don't think that he runs that outfield out there against Florida. I think it's, the, it's vice versa if they're playing in Gainesville. Kevin Graham needs defensive reps.
0: Okay, I can get on board with that. But later on down the line, same lineup rolls out, there are going to be questions because that's going to cost sure. you at some point. But, yeah, yeah. I, could, I could buy that he needs game day reps. But the guy that's been most impressive, say for Anthony Servideo, is Gunnar Hoagland. And you and I both identified him as the potential breakout guy for 2020. And it's easy because he's a former first-round pick of the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2018. He started 17 games or 16 games in 17 appearances last year. He's added a slider, finally got that out pitch. career-high 12 strikeouts against Xavier. Xavier didn't get his first hit until the third inning on Saturday. Just nuts what this pitching staff did. As much as we want to talk about Doug, you nailed it in the preseason, and it's only two games. There's a long way to go. But Gunner, most upside of any arm, because he continues to get better. He was touching 93 on Saturday. I think there's more of a ceiling to what Doug Nikhazy is and can be, and he's a really dominant, great college baseball pitcher. But Gunner can go to another level, and you're starting to see signs of what that level could potentially be.
1: Yeah, no, you're totally right on, on Hoagland. It's... I think he reminds me a lot of Bobby Wall man he can, he throws strikes he's got stuff that that can be dominant at times Um, Bobby wall took a really big jump as a junior or as a sophomore. And I think, I think Hoagland has taken that. I think he's going to take even more of one as a a senior. I'm interested to see what Mike does, because I think there's a chance we look up in three or four weeks and Gunnar Hoagland's the best pitcher on the staff. And at that point, do you leave him on Saturday? Do you move him to Friday? If that happens to be the case. And I, I say that after Doug McKenzie wins pitcher of the week, you know, um, but I do think you're right. I think there's more of a ceiling with Gunnar Hoagland. That's why he was drafted in the first round by the pirates.
0: Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you briefly about Impact by Ironwood and Sola, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right, Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits or, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's one go teams Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference, make an impact. So a few years ago, a multi-generation Ole Miss family set out to do something a little different in the world-renowned Oxford culinary community. They wanted to bring a true wine bar to the square. Upon opening the wine bar in 2013, they discovered they had one of the Southeast's best young chefs in Erica Leip. Fascinated by diverse cultures and tastes, Erica proved herself to be a true visionary when pairing food and drink, constantly discovering new pairings and creating seasonal offerings that took the classics everyone loves and twisting them up a notch to create something truly unique. Fast forward to 2019, the family felt that their food offerings were being undervalued and decided to lean on Erica's incredible culinary talents and rebrand the wine bar into one of the best restaurants in the Southeast. Enter Sola, bringing to you unique cuisine and lifted spirits. Come as you are, enjoy creative dishes and distinctive drinks as served by Erica and her team of food and beverage enthusiasts, skillfully combining ingredients from local purveyors with classic cooking techniques from all over the world. Simply put, Sola is the best restaurant in Oxford. So check them out. The website is solaoxford.com or give them a call at 662 238 3500. Also, remember to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram using the at SolaOxfordMS on all platforms. Sola in Oxford on the Oxford Square. The good and the bad and the ugly from the weekend. The good was what? There was a lot uh, of good for Homeless Baseball.
1: Yeah, it's Gunnar Hoagland and Anthony Shiridia. Um And it's Doug throws six no-hits innings, but that's Doug. That's what he does. Um, you're getting contributions from Gunnar and, and a guy like Servidio that you thought would be really good this year, but I don't think you expected this.
0: The bad.
1: Greer Holston, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's it's. I don't think you'd throw that kid to the wolves and forget it, but it ain't good right now.
0: I just don't know where that dominant pitcher from the preseason in fall camp was or is. I just don't know where that yeah. guy went.
1: Yeah, this guy dominated an almost lineup that's been really, really good um, during the preseason, and for whatever reason, it's just not happening right now.
0: I don't know what situation you could feel comfortable allowing him to get some pitches in games right now. Alcorn State was supposed to be that.
1: Alcorn State, look, Alcorn State played well on Tuesday, yep. but Ole Miss had no business being in that baseball game. The game should have been over in the fourth inning. Um, no, credit to Alcorn. They did play well, but – Another story for another day. But, yeah, I mean, it's – I don't know what you do with Holston, but I, I don't think you can throw the kid to the wolves either. I think you do need him because I don't think the other guys in the bullpen have shown that, you know, there's enough depth back there without him. The ugliest basketball. <laughs> yeah, it ain't great right now, Ben. The, uh, the lady made that putt, though. That was dope.
0: Yeah, that was great. Marianne just sank a 94-footer. It was funny. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the media press room at halftime. And I was talking to Chris Burrows of the AP about something else. I can't remember what we were talking about. And um, I think the half court shot was attempted where they shoot actually the free throw, then the three pointer, then the half court shot. And Chris had never seen it happen before. I have. And he said, uh, man, it'd be really cool to see that happen. I said, you know what? No, it'd be really cool. If somebody actually ever sank that putt, little did I know, (laughs) little did I know that that was coming just a short while later. And I didn't even get to see it. My wife has flu B. So I had to leave the game early on Saturday, the basketball game, and come home. She needed medicine. Somebody had to take care of our girls, so I had to come home. I didn't get to see this. I didn't get to see the putt until it came out on Twitter, the oldest Basketball Twitter account, and I see Marianne, all 86 years young, sinking a
1: 94-footer. And it was dead red center man. Yeah, and you know we've seen those putts for years, and like ha- nobody ever really even hits the board, and, and she just sends it right on through. I don't even think like it hit the side of the the board or anything. No, no. I just went straight through the hole.
0: Yeah, just clear in, <laughs> impressive. Now, if she's right. smart, she'll take that car, pay the taxes on it, and then sell it back to the dealership, and make some real coin. <laughs>
1: there you go. There
0: Either you go. way, congratulations put- to Marianne. That was probably of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's call that the best, because that was great. But that everything else awesome. with Ole Miss basketball was so, so ugly. And now you look forward to uh, the spring recruiting period and all that. But really, Ole Miss basketball is done for the year. And until they start adding to the roster, there's really nothing to say or write about that team right now. And it's unfortunate, because this was a team with such high expectations. And if you want to look back on the last year or so, you kind of expected Ole Miss football to struggle, and you kind of expected baseball to have some bumps along the way to start, and yet they've come out 6-1. and one, So easily, basketball has been the most disappointing thing.
1: If you put truth serum in Kermit Davis, and he would never answer this, but if you just put truth serum in him and you walked up to him and said, what happened? What do you think he'd say?
0: Oh, I think there are a lot of things. A lot of things. The <laughs> first thing you point to is Sammy Hunter and Austin Crowley were two top 100 evaluations on Ole Miss's end. And Ole Miss expected those guys to impact Division one games almost immediately. And they haven't. Austin Crowley's disappeared completely. So those two guys have to take a step. You could have never forecasted that Blake Kinson deals with that blood abnormality that sidelines him for so long into the season. He's shooting 22% from three on the road. Oh, my God. 47% at home. That's good. 22% (laughs) on the road. And when you're only going to fashion yourself as a three-point shooter, and not impact the box score in any other meaningful way. You're not just not giving Ole Miss anything. You're actively hurting your team. So if you're looking at the next year, and you're saying, oh, God, they need to go get this guy, this guy, no. What they need is for a junior Blake Henson, a junior K.J. Buffin, a junior Luis Rodriguez, another one of those things they couldn't forecast, at his injury, that has to be the core of a postseason team. Yes, new guys are always intoxicating. That's what you get wrapped up in if you're an Ole Miss fan. But it's the returning guys that will be back that have to make up the core of a postseason team. Taking a step, that's where the improvement will come from. And, of course, Hadim C. took a while too long to adjust. Not just a while, too long to adjust for what Ole Miss needed him to be from day one. K.J. Buffin couldn't stay out of foul trouble. There's so many things. And who could have expected Devontae Shuler, who you thought you were going to get at least 14 points every single night out of, was going to forget how to play offense, was going to shoot 57% from the free throw line for a while. Guy was an 82% free throw shooter last year and then suddenly couldn't make free throw shots. And that's on top of already struggling from three, struggling in field goal percentage, efficient shots. Just so much went wrong. We all knew that two guys had to be good. Brian Tyree, Devontae, Shulin. Devontae just hasn't been good. Brian's been great. Has even taken steps defensively. And that was the big knock against him. It sucks that he's going out this way. It sucks.
1: Yeah. Oh, it absolutely sucks for Brian because this kid uh, – I I think Brian was one of the few kids in AK's last year that played hard. Uh, yeah. And he's uh, he's playing hard this year. So it, it stinks that it's ending for him this way. You're right. He has become – he's not a good defender, but no. he's a better defender.
0: Well, um, I mean, he had nowhere else to go but up because he was so bad. Well, defensively. sure. But he's he definitely, but if he's if definitely taking sure. a step. He's playing defense. But you're right. Right. In the year that Andy Kennedy got fired midseason – they only won one more game at Missouri, and that's because of Brian Tyree. Went to Missouri and said, bray take as many shots as you want," and he did. And they won, and they celebrated like they won the Final Four. Tony <laughs> Madlock was one time the head coach of Ole Miss basketball. Never
1: forget that, ever. That is true. I wonder if that's on the Wikipedia page. Anyways, um, but yeah, no, it's, it stinks for Brian. But I'll ask you this, and, and I don't. I think I know your answer. Do you still sense that there's some optimism going forward in Sammy Hunter or Crowley and Crowley, or do you think they're concerned about those
0: kids? You have no choice but to be optimistic, <laughs> regardless of how you truly feel. And I don't know that you have to be optimistic. It's not like the talent has just disappeared. It's not like you went zero for two in top one hundred evaluations for these two players. But almost basketball—it's done. It's over with. Not until yeah. spring recruiting yeah.
1: comes. They're not making the NIT. I was talking about this, and and this isn't. I don't like doing the AK versus Kermit thing because a lot of people do that and it's stupid. But I will say I get Ole Miss basketball fans' frustration because under AK and and again I'm not blaming Kermit here. Under AK, you were never dead this time of year, except for the last year. You were never dead. There was something to watch. There ain't nothing to watch the next two and a half weeks.
0: That's fair. But Ole Miss baseball has given Ole Miss something to be encouraged by. Spring football is coming up. It's the NFL Combine. A lot going on in the next couple of weeks. Right now, it's one thing and one thing only, and that's Ole Miss baseball. And this weekend, they finally hit the road to Greenville, North Carolina. East Carolina's in that uh, tournament that they're going to play in. What is East Carolina?
1: You know, Cliff's done a good job there. They've gone to two Super Regionals the past three years, I think. Um, Look, they're not a team that's going to overwhelm you from a talent perspective. they got a pretty good pitcher. I'm interested to see how – uh pitching rotations are handled. Their best pitcher is a Friday night guy. Do they throw him against Indiana? And I'll ask you this. I'll present you this. Ole Miss plays high point on Friday and then play East Carolina and uh uh Indiana. Indiana. Yep. Do you hold Doug? No. You just you just throw him out there against high point and get your win. You love to do this,
0: and, and God love you. I, I love you to death. But you love well, to do this where you try to come up with all these
1: do you know Mike? Well, no, I'm not, I didn't ask if Mike would do this. I asked if Ben Garrett would do this.
0: Of course not, but Mike is going to, so it's pointless to even engage in the discussion and the debate. Mike is going to start oh. Doug Nikhazy on Friday. He's going to oh, well, keep him on schedule.
1: I'll give Mike some due here, though. There's some, you know, I listen to him talk somewhere about analytics and stuff, and I think he's in creeped it more into his program uh, over the past year than any other year in his tenure. They've bunted one time over the first seven games, Ben. It's been I'll magical. Give him some, yeah. I'll give him some credit there. I think Mike's been great. Maybe it's because of the beard. <laughs> he does seem more relaxed, except for if you ask about Hayden Dunhurst's catching ability. Yeah, don't do that.
0: Don't do that, Rippy. <laughs> don't do it. I dig the beard, though. I'm going to tell them straight up one day in a not awkward way. You need to keep that beard for those of us who can't grow them. Okay? Yeah. It's a solid yeah. beard. I can't grow a beard. I am 34 years old and have still not gotten to a place where I can grow a beard. It's infuriating. I want a <laughs> beard. But no, 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 no. I don't get a beard. I get red hair. Thanks. <laughs>
1: Do you know how quickly that beard's coming off when they lose the series to Vanderbilt or something?
0: You think that's what's going to be the superstition for Mike?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're going to lose two series in a row or something, and that thing's going to be gone.
0: They break down with Omaha.
1: (laughs) Do you think they change that
0: up if they lose two series in a row?
1: Oh, God, no. I mean, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but we'll see. I don't know. I think this team's got a chance, man. I really do. I really like this team. They're fun.
0: I talked to Bradley Sal about it. He's a big Ole Miss baseball guy. He's been out there pretty much every game. And I've said this before on this podcast, and I mean it. This year they're going to be good, and I'm not blowing smoke. I am not a sunshine-pumping guy. Here's something that Ole Miss fans just will not want to hear from me, but it's true. I love my job. It's the only job I wanted. And for you guys, it's everything. Ole Miss is everything. When I retire or get out of this business, I probably won't pay attention to an Ole Miss athletics event ever again. It's like eating a cheeseburger every single day. Working in a cheeseburger factory and eating a cheeseburger every single day. That day you finally quit and you're out, you're probably going to be grossed out by cheeseburgers. You see when you're repulsed by it. No, I'm good.
1: That's fair, but it's a hard dynamic, too, because, I mean, like, you grew up an Ole Miss fan, right? So, I mean, I'm not saying, like, I know you did. So, it's yeah. a little bit a little bit tougher there, but I, I get what you're saying
0: for so sure. It, but I say that because... I don't want people to go, oh, here he goes again. Your sunshine pun. No one here. This team is going to be good. going to be really competitive. Next year, they could contend for a national championship.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's the best team. I think next year is the best baseball team Mike Bianco will ever have at Ole Miss. Woo! So, uh, be- <laughs> I mean, Is that really that much of a hot take, though? Like, I think Gunnar Hoagland's a first-round pick. I think Derek Diamond is going to push to be a first- or second-round pick. Uh, You know, there's dudes all over that. foot. Hayden Dunhurst is a first-round pick. You've got first-rounders on that field, man. So, like, I don't think that's that much of a hot take.
0: we got to get to Bradley Sell, but here's my question. Kale Baker, Hayden Leatherwood, if they get drafted, it'll be like Cole Zabowski. Doesn't matter where you get drafted, you're gone. But will they get drafted? Or will they get drafted at least in a spot that makes them go? Even if it's like 26th round? I mean, I don't know if Kel Baker will go in the 26th round. I don't know.
1: Let me ask you this on Leatherwood, and and I I genuinely don't know. What kind of defensive outfielder is he? He's fine. So he could get drafted. I think he's got a chance to get drafted in the first 20 rounds then, because I think that swing plays. Well, Uh, if he
0: does have power, and he has to have power to stick in left field,
1: left field is perfectly fine for him. Could Ole Miss throw him in center if they had to? No. Okay. No. I mean, I, I I don't know. I was just But like Kale um, Baker, will he be back
0: next year? If you had to guess mm, right now, it's I'll way go, too early
1: for this. I'll go Baker, yes, Leatherwood, no.
0: Oh, that's fine. Well, if one of those two guys are back, then just look across the board. Hayden Dunhurst, Kale yeah. Baker, Peyton Shatney at shortstop, Connor Walsh. We forget about him. Kid was one of the top ranked guys they signed. He's gonna they be good. Still at some it. Yeah. Yeah. Second base. Tyler Keenan, you got to find somebody to replace him at third base. Probably Tim Elko. I doubt Tim gets drafted.
1: Yeah, depends on what kind of year he has, but I'm with you there.
0: He's probably not going to get drafted. So third base, Tim Elko. And then, like, some mix of Jerry on John Rice Plumley, Cade Sammons. There's some dudes, some real dudes.
1: Is it fair to be just a little bit worried about John Rice Plumley at the plate? I'm not worried about Ely or Sammons so much, but Plumley swings aren't looking great. Why? it's just not what's the expectation supposed to be for him well to not be late on 89 mile an hour fastballs when there's hitting problems like for freshmen I think there's like two categories like they're not able to handle the off speed or they're not able to handle velocity and I'd much rather have the kid that's that struggles with the off speed than the kid that struggles with velo and Plumlee just kind of looks like he's late on everything right now
0: he also didn't get a fall in
1: well, no, that's, why it's, that's fair, but he's never going to get a fall in. And right? he didn't get but,
0: like, two weeks of preseason practices. So,
1: Yeah, but that's going to be the case every time. So, I mean, I I don't – I'll be yes, worried about right. John
0: Rice, the baseball player, next year. This year, whatever you get is gravy. Doesn't matter. Okay. Right. Yeah, doesn't matter. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe or review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, doesn't matter what you say. Please leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, Spirit.com, affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go down to the Modern Women phone line to speak to former Ole Miss offensive lineman, current Chicago Bear, Bradley Sal. It's NFL Draft Combine Week. What should Ole Miss Rebels going through this process expect? What advice would Brad have for these prospects in their rookie years? All that and more with Bradley Sal. It's right now on the Modern Women phone line. This is Talk of Champions. You've
2: walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor.
1: Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662 296 zero one eight six. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs.
2: Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America,
1: touching lives, securing futures.
2: The Modern Woodman phone line. Call, cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop.
0: Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, now with the Chicago Bears, it's Bradley Sal, frequent guest of the program. Always welcome, buddy. What's up?
2: Hey, how's it going, man? Nice um, to hear from you.
0: I know it's always good to hear from you, bud. It's NFL Draft Combine week. What's the most absurd thing about NFL Draft Combine week?
2: Um, I think that um, obviously a lot of people judge you off of off of what you do that week, and I don't think it's as important as people think. Um, you know, it's it's nice to have a good showing, and it can certainly help some guys, but. Um, There's numerous guys that that go on to have really good careers. They just just aren't very good testers. They're not very good drill guys. They're not very good. um, A lot of coaches call it the underwear Olympics guys. So um, I think that uh, um, people don't realize how crazy that combine is. All the stories I've heard, you know, guys get up at 5 a.m. and all kinds of stuff. So um, I think it's a pretty tough week for those guys. Joe Burrow
0: measured in with nine-inch hands. We've been through this before. He's the presumed number one overall pick to the Bengals. Jared Goff in 2016, he had nine-inch hands. The Rams still picked him number one overall. Now, Jared Goff has had a fumbling problem in the NFL, but why do hands matter to NFL scouts?
2: And I really don't know. I mean, <clears throat> the only time I can see it affecting a guy or, or I've ever seen it affect a guy is in um, weather games, a you know, cold-weather game or like a, um, a, rainy, a rainy game. Um, that's really the only time I've ever seen it be an issue with guys. But um, I mean, for the most part, Joe Bur- Burrow's hands looked um, looked plenty big enough all season um, when he was putting up those huge stats. So um, I-, I think it's just a technicality thing. I don't think it means you're going to be good or bad. But um, you know, the only time I've really, ever really seen it be a problem is in weather games, which with the Bengals with the Bengals drafting him, um, you know, it's going to be pretty cold up there. So. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't know how how it will affect him or not. But um, that's a really the only thing I've ever seen it ever, ever seen it matter. Worst
0: example of scouts overthinking things: Joe Burrow's hands or DK Metcalf's three cone.
2: Oh man, D, DK's three cone, man. I mean, I remember seeing him when he was when he first got to Ole Miss and I know he was there with AJ. AJ is a good player too, but it's athletically. He looked like he could have played right then in the NFL. And, um, his only thing was his health. You know, if he, if he stays healthy, every, you know, if he doesn't get hurt at Ole Miss, he puts up massive numbers and probably one of the greatest ever played Ole Miss. But I mean, there's just sometimes you're just too good to be true. And he was one of those guys that comes out and runs a four, three humongous ripped up. And he was, um, he was just too good to be true. Um, and sometimes sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And I'm sure there's a lot of teams in the first round that wish that they would have, would have snagged him.
0: His health was a legitimate concern. He didn't stay healthy any year he was at Ole Miss. I get that. And with the neck thing, that's a big deal. Uh, but you're right, the three cone, that was absurd to me. It never made any sense. But I will say, and you and I have agreed on this before, we've texted back and forth about it, he's in the perfect spot for him because of Russell Wilson's ability to throw the deep ball. The reason DK was so good was, yes, he's talented. Yes, he's a freak. But he was in the perfect offense for him, right?
2: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, uh, a lot of it has to do with system and fit. But, I mean, he, as you've seen, he stayed healthy this year. And one thing about Seattle that people don't know is um, they they do a really good job not only preparing their players, but they do a really good job of installing confidence in their players better than anywhere I've ever seen um, in my career And and he's one of those guys who the, the, the energy in that building there is always so high and it's always so positive that, you know, he's one of those guys who once he got there, I know he probably felt what a lot of guys feel when they go there. And he um, he was able to excel because he was already a freak athlete and um, he had some confidence ended up staying healthy. So once he got rolling, I knew it was, um, you know, I knew what was going on with him.
0: We've talked about it before, You're You're Chicago Bear. You told me you'd love to retire with the Bears, but you played in Seattle. What made it different, though? What makes Seattle a different place that allows these guys to be successful and sometimes even turn their careers around?
2: Well, Pete. Um, Pete has a real optimistic view on everything. That um, they coach very different there. Um, everything's uh, everything's really positive, and he he does a good job of making all of his players feel like they're like they're some of the best in the NFL. And um, you know, he never never you know puts a guy down. Never never really rides a guy and he, um, I mean, I, I, it's hard to explain. You'd have to be there to see it, but the atmosphere they create create inside that building up there is um, at least when I was there, I was there one year. So I don't know how I can't speak for every other year, but I just never forget, you know, taking the field with the, um, with the confidence that we have. But we also, the Seahawks also had a lot of success going into that. There's Errol Thomas, Richard Sherman, a lot of um, Cam Chancellor, Cliff I mean, There's a lot of really superstars that um that made that team fun but um yeah when, when i was there it was the confidence just spewed out of that team um everywhere you went it was like a you know it was, it was like you're a, you're on a rock star like you're on a rock tour or something it was, it was pretty awesome what's russ like in a huddle um russ russ is very serious he's um you know, he's he's really locked in and, he's, and he never feels like he's out of it he um you know when, when i was there he it wouldn't matter what the score was he was he always felt like there was a chance to win, and um, I think he's—I think he's just so competitive that, it, that it's that it's just at the next level, and he, he refuses to refuses to go away. So he—I um, feel like with him on the field, there's always a chance to win, and that's obvious whenever you watch them play.
0: You didn't go to the combine. You've obviously had one of the most or longest, most extended careers of any Ole Miss Rebel coming out in that draft class. But for the guys that are preparing to go into the draft to go through the process, Josiah Cotney, Benito Jones, they're going to the combine. But the training, when you go to Miami or Dallas or Arizona, guys go to different places. What is this time like? What are you doing every day?
2: Um, this Your rookie year is your worst year training-wise because you're working on all these drills that are – I mean, don't get me wrong, the 40 and all that's great, but you need to be spending the season working on football. Like that, that There's never once you're going to get to put your hand in a stance or in a game and just sprint 40-yard yards you have to work on that most of the off season because you have this combat and stuff and that sucks for the young guys. But, um, I mean, for the most part, it would be nice if they'd work on football and, um, you know, do football stuff, but that's, that's the only, only part that that's, that's tough for the rookies.
0: What's the hardest part about the process? Is it sitting down with organizations and letting them grill you about everything?
2: Um, yeah, I think, I think some of the questions, but I think just not knowing, um, NFL is really different. It's, it's very business like. It's, um, you know, it's really cutthroat. And I think, it's not not so much like college, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's just it's just really different. It's a, it's a difficult. Um, you know, a lot lot of competition. Um, you know, very cutthroat. So I think that's that's probably the hardest part for for a rookie to kind of grasp. It. It's a job now, and you know, one or two bad days could put you on the streets.
0: Did you have a good idea that you were going undrafted, or did you think you were going to get picked in the later rounds?
2: Um, I, I thought I was going to get picked. Um, I actually got a couple calls late, later rounds, saying that I was going to get potentially get selected, but I, um, I ended up not. Which, you know, once you get to later rounds, it's um, you'd almost rather not get selected so you can choose if you're doing your homework you and kind of see what all teams need and what all they have. You can you can kind of choose what team you want to go to if if they're willing to have you, um, and it, you can put yourself in a better situation because sometimes the, they may draft you in the sixth, seventh round. You got to go, but also in a team that has Four or five um, players at that position, you know, you're not going to make the team. So uh, later on in the draft, you would like to get um, to choose your team, and, and that's you know that's what I chose.
0: When you're an undrafted free agent, um, you have control, and you made that point before that fifth, sixth round. Heck, at that point, let me control my own destiny. Because doesn't it happen immediately once the draft is over, your phone blows up and a bunch of teams come in? And really, you have now been given leverage that you otherwise wouldn't have had had you been drafted late.
2: Well, I, I think it starts around 6, round. they start calling the guys and um, I don't know if that's like a trick they use or whatever. They call them saying, hey, you know, we'll consider taking you late. So I think that makes you feel the interest. That they had in you, then all of a sudden you don't get picked. and then that way you're thinking, hey, oh, so and so team was going to pick me. Maybe I should go there because they really wanted me. But I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty quick. They, um, you know, a lot of teams, especially with where they are referred, like the the high priority free agents, the ones where they feel like should have maybe been drafted, but a little bit outside of it, um, yeah, they they call those guys. A lot of them call you, and they make their their little money offer to you, and they you have to make up your mind quick because they're they're trying to move on and fill those you know, fill their undrafted slots because they don't want to miss out on another guy. If, if, you're the, if you're the one tackle they want, undrafted tackle they want, you make your max if not, they're going to go their second option, third option down the list like that. So before they end up choosing another team. So, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty hectic.
0: Is there any organization that you thought kind of sold you a bill of goods that they made you feel like, eh, I'm going to take you, either undrafted, going to sign you, draft you, and then completely ignored you once it came down to drafting you or signing you?
2: No, I thought I thought for sure I was going to go to Green Bay. They they called me in the um, it was like the sixth or seventh round and said that they were going to um, going to pick me and they end up drafting a tackle um, from Florida State and um, it didn't you know he didn't make it very long but they um, yeah I, I I had thought for a minute I was going to go to Green Bay but um, it didn't it ended up not not happening.
0: What are these guys doing as far as? Um the individual workouts because they're not all the same like for an offensive lineman it's not the same day-to-day as a skill position guy do you get any feedback from organizations telling you what they want to see you improve on or are you kind of on your own trying to improve where you think you're supposed to improve or you're getting feedback maybe from your former strength and conditioning coach how does that work how do you determine what it is you need to work on
2: well I think I think teams if you if you have you do write in interviews you ask them you know what what you think that you need to get better at and then you should kind of gear your work towards towards that on top of you knowing your own weaknesses kind of saying hey this is where this I mean it's kind of what I do every offseason. season I take what I had during the season I say hey um, this is what I need to fix If I mean if I can't fix it, I need to get a little bit better at it before I get back to next year and that's any football player but yeah teams should give you some feedback once you get out of um, once you get out of college you know you're your own business basically I mean you're your own player so you can work as hard as you want or you can work as 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 soft as you want, you know, but but when it comes time to to putting up, you better be there and you better be there to perform and put up. So it's pretty much that that's one huge difference. It's pretty it's all on you. Whenever you can do as much as you want in the offseason, but when it's time to go perform, you better be there to perform.
0: You've been in so many different locker rooms, Indianapolis, Seattle, Arizona, Chicago. Do NFL players pay attention to the combine? Do they pay attention to this time? Does
2: it really matter to them? Like it does to us. Um, some guys may, but uh, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know if I could go there and do some of those drills anymore. I mean, it's, I don't find it very, um, you know, I mean, I guess it's necessary just to kind of check boxes. So if there's some guys like glaringly, not, not conforming to the average, it could be like a, a red flag or I think the most important part is probably the getting to see the guys face to face. That's the only thing I would ever care about in a combine for if I was ever evaluating a guy, I just want to meet him and talk to him and kind of. Fill out his personality and his character um, more than anything else, and I think the drills are just hey it, is it what I see on film? Or are you that guy that that I think you are if you you know if you perform awesome, that's great if you perform bad, you know it's it's whatever, but we need to be somewhere kind, kind of the average so so yeah that's um, that's kind of where I'm at.
0: This is the thing that annoys me the most about the process. It's the whole um overthinking certain guys like it's we're trying to come up with reasons not to like Deshaun Watson. When Deshaun Watson was a dominant player in college football, if you turned Mm -hmm. on your television on Saturdays, you saw a really good football player. doesn't take a rocket scientist to determine that that kid's going to be probably pretty good in the pros. He might not end up being Dan Marino as far as his arm talent, but you can tell he's going to be a good pro. Same thing with DK. You look and watch him at Ole Miss and you can tell that's a good football player. That's the one thing that annoys me. It's like NFL scouts try to come up with reasons not to like guys.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that that's that's the world. That's just how it is at any any place, any job. When you're evaluating somebody, you try to find the um, the reason not to like them, I and mean, hopefully the guy makes you love them. But you know, so, I mean, it, it it's worked both ways over the years. I think. I mean, there's guys that you thought were going to be amazing, and you know, turned out not so good. And there's guys that um, there's a Russell Wilson who goes in the what third or fourth round, and see, man, it's all a guess. I mean, it, it, there's maybe a, a few guys out there that are just man this dude is going to be that dude for sure but i mean for the most part you never know how a guy is going to be able to learn a system you never know if the coach is going to match him up in the right system it's um it's all it's all a big guess to be honest with you so i mean there's multiple undrafted guys that do well there's i mean it's it's a huge guess because the nfl is such a different game
0: the most recent Ole miss rebel that surprised you the most not making it in the nfl or struggling
2: not, Mick, I've had probably probably Treadwell. Um, I, I, when I came out watching practice in college, I, um, you know, I thought that that he was he was a very good player. And for whatever reason, you know, he's kind of he's kind of struggling to to perform at the same level he did in college. But um, you know, I still think he's got time. He's gonna you know, he showed some stuff this year. But you know, in college, you're thinking, hey man, he was that dominant, and you just you know, so far it's just been you know, he's really I don't know if it's a system or whatever. But at some point, you know, him getting a fresh start could be good for him, you know, elsewhere. But yeah, I mean, I would have thought he was going to be a sure, surefire pro bowler.
0: After games, you're playing a former almost rebel, Laquan Treadwell, whoever it is. Do you go find him? Do you go introduce yourself?
2: Um, yeah, I used to my first couple of years, but now I'm so much older than these guys. I don't, they wouldn't even know who I was, probably. I mean, you got to think like, yeah, you know, we play. Say we play the Bills or something. and I guess they hate a Dawson Knox. While well, I'm nine, nine years <laughs> ahead of him, He's, he was probably in middle school whenever I was at Ole Miss. So I don't. Um, I mean, I used to back whenever I actually like knew the guy and kind of played with him and it was there at the same time. Now it's kind of it's kind of hard.
0: Oh man, I always thought that y'all kept it as a fraternity. No matter how much older you were than so and so, doesn't matter what the age restriction is. Doesn't matter what the age difference is. The fraternity stayed true. That's, that the fraternity was strong.
2: Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, if I see the guy, I'll say something, or we'll talk a little bit about Ole Miss. But you know, if I don't, if, if he's way younger than me, it's, it may, you know, he may not even recognize me. I don't want to feel like a, a goofball going up to him.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be the uh, the old dude that know. is long out of high school, going back to high school prom, senior prom. Yeah, you don't want to be that
2: guy. Yeah, you don't be that guy.
0: Yeah. All right. So, the one bit of advice you would give to Josiah Cotney, Bedito Jones, any of these draft eligible Ole Miss rebels that are going through the process about their rookie seasons, what they need to do, what they need to know to hit the ground running?
2: Um, I just think come in and be humble, and um, you know, listen. Just just listen to what they say, do exactly what they say, and do it with relentless attitude and relentless effort. Um, be a team guy, and kind of. Um, you know, just fill it out. Don't, don't come in thinking you're better than what you are complaining and, and, you know, talking back to coaches, all that stuff, just come in with a, with a hard nose mentality. And um, i tell you what, they, they love guys that the rookies that come in and don't say much and just come in with their, their head down, working their tail off. And you know, they do that and they'll be fine. And, you know, obviously getting the playbook because NFL it's, I mean, there's everything out there. I mean, you, the playbook is, is pretty complicated. There's a lot of verbiage. So you know, the, the more you know, the faster you'll be able to play, and the faster you play, the the better you'll be able to perform. So, um, that's that's probably the biggest piece of advice I see with rookies. So, what's your status right now? Um, right now, I'm still under contract with the Bears until March the 18th. Um, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it'll um, if they're going to renew me or or if I'll go somewhere else or what the deal will be. But you know, hope they'll squeeze a few more years out and um, you know keep going. If not it's no big deal. But um, yeah, I mean, that's hopefully, hopefully, hoping to go a couple more at least. When it is time to hang them up, what do you want to do? I haven't decided yet. I'm on the fence. I've been kind of snooping around with it. Um, Obviously we have a house in Oxford. We're going to live in Oxford um, when we're done. So, you know, right, right now the plan would be to do something with Ole Miss or, or something, something in that, in that realm. But, you know, obviously I don't know. When I'm done, you know, whenever, whenever I'm officially done, done, I'm sure I'll be able to discuss stuff with certain people that I've met and, um, you know, see, see where to go from there. But right now my only focus is, um, you know, working out hard as I can to get as good as I can to, you know, to, to play a couple more. And Ole Miss baseball. I, I, I have been going to some Ole Miss baseball games. I, um, I am fired up. Anthony Servideo, <laughs> Kel Baker. I mean, absolute, just breakout studs. Servideo's blown my mind right now. He is, I mean the dude the dude is hitting hitting dingers and everything. I mean it's been like five hundred or something. It's 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 pretty unbelievable to watch. When's the last time you sat in right field for a game? No, I can't I can't do the right field anymore. I can't I got four kids, I can't come home soaked in beer. Yeah. So yeah. um yeah, I, I usually I usually just sit in the stands and um you yeah, know, chase my son up and down the up and down the aisle trying to trying to catch a few <laughs> a few innings.
0: So when you're old and gray you have the choice. You get one Ole Miss sport to have season tickets to.
2: We're going to baseball. It'll always be baseball. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just I, I just if football is tough to watch for me because I played it for so long and I watch it in like a in like a mad way. Like I, I can't just like sit down and enjoy games. I'm watching like scheme. I'm watching positions, and I, I'm getting mad because I don't think this is the right. I mean, it's football. Football for me is impossible to watch from a fan's perspective. Baseball. I played it, but not on, like, a serious level. I, like, enjoy the sport. I enjoy watching it, um, and there's no better fill. I mean, old, when Ole Miss baseball goes – I mean, Ole Miss baseball is as fun as it gets for me.
0: So you'll get your son a on Ely baseball jersey before
2: you'll get him his football jersey. Dude, he may be getting that um, Kel Baker jersey right now. If Kel <laughs> keeps hitting – if Kel keeps um, hitting out of the park like that, he's, he's getting that Kel Baker jersey.
0: Kel gives hope to all of us, man. All of us guys that didn't quite take care of ourselves enough – quintessential like backyard softball slugger
2: you know what I thought that but don't sleep on him man I thought he he can he can run a little bit like yeah, I, I watched him real closely the last couple of games like dude Kel Kel may maybe could play a little fullback potentially like a little right guard if things had gone bad at Ole Miss this year he could maybe fill in I, I think Kel can maybe play a little football would you have been a first baseman DH I would have probably I would have pitched if I I mean I, I may could play the field but I I could hit and pitch pretty good but not, I mean, I don't know about on, on this level. I've said this, and I mean
0: it, and I'm not trying to pump sunshine or any of that bullshit. That's not what this is. But the youth of this team, 23 underclassmen, only 11 upperclassmen, so many contributing uh, freshmen from Cade Salmon's to Peyton Chatagnier to Jerrion ely you got Derek Diamond on Sundays, and you got two sophomores anchoring your rotation. They're good this year, and they're going to be competitive and good this year. Next year, they could be a national championship contending team.
2: I would agree. I, I love the the kid pitching on Sunday right now. He um he's he's got some gas, man. He um the Diamond Kid. He's yeah. He's the future looks good. And you got you got Nikhazy, He's a sophomore, right? So he'll be back next year. And you have him and yeah. I mean they're they're going to be pitching pitching's huge in college. I mean we we obviously want to be a hit, but if you can pitch in college. You're gonna. I mean you pretty much got it. You got you got a, you got a good path to go.
0: Brad and I have floated this idea. Well, Brad came up with it. He has a golf simulator in his Oxford home.
2: I'm sitting in it as we speak.
0: Yeah, and we've pitched the idea of getting some Ole Miss um, coaches, players, whoever. Keith Carter, you can come into the golf simulator and basically just do a video deal where we're hitting golf simulator stuff and talking about Ole Miss stuff. I've got a perfect idea for the perfect first guest. Let's hear it. Doug Nicasey.
2: Absolutely.
0: I'm (laughs) 100%. Well, 100%. I hope I hope he can swing it as good as he can throw it. Well, we know who's going to be third in every single one of these videos.
2: Yeah, that's a fact. But that's okay, though. I mean, I, I feel like if you come over here a couple of times, I maybe can give you some tips.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not that committed. You and I do different type of golf experiences. Mine's to go out there, have fun, and drink. Yours is to go out there and be good. That's the difference. I was there when you were first getting into golf, and I saw it, and you were good, but now aren't you, like, next level good?
2: I wouldn't say next-level good, but, I mean, I could I could carry on a decent round.
0: Oh, God. Don't be humble. It's okay to be cognizant of something you're good at.
2: Nah, because I, I thought I was good. I thought I was really good at golf until I played with, like, a, a couple people that were, like, on the tour. And you all amateurs, like, at these country clubs, <laughs> they, they, like, go out there and they shoot their 74, their 75, and they think they're really good. They're, like, filling with their lives or taking three-foot give when You play with like those dudes, those dudes, dudes. They they'll shoot a sixty four with their hat backwards, chugging beer, and it won't even. I mean, it won't even phase them. And that I mean they're not even playing serious. So I'm a I'm a decent. I'd be a decent country club amateur, but you go out there with the big boys, it ain't even close.
0: The teammate, coach, I don't know whoever, old Miss person or not, that surprised you with how good they are at golf.
2: Mm, let me see. Oh, I played with Sam Bradford one time. Oh my goodness! Now Sam, Sam Bradford is may he may be next level good. I mean, he's consistently mid to upper sixties. I mean, I'm Jeez. talking like dude, dude hits darts in there. He hits a tight little draw in there, like like nobody I've ever seen before. And he was an awesome, dude. I was actually the first time I'd ever met him, but he was he was a really great guy. Yeah, he he is far. He would go out to Tahoe if they if he was in there, and he would win it. He win it going away. God, that hurts my feelings, man. And that—that's that, with Romo in there. No. Oh, he yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't be close.
0: If you do stick with the Bears, how do you bounce back next year?
2: Uh, I think I think this. You know, obviously we had a lot of success the year before. We went twelve and four, and this this next year we had a tougher schedule and um, we lost some close ones. Um, I, I think I think just focus in and, and get back to to the basics, and you know, I, I don't think there's anything you need to do other than. Then you know, just get better. Just simply go out there. You have we have all the talent in the world, and everybody needs to to, to humble themselves and just straight up get better. And um, you know, that's that's what I think will, will happen this year. I think I think we got a little humble pie this this past season. Is there belief in Mitch in that locker room? Oh, absolutely. He's I mean, he's he's such a young guy, and he there's nobody that that works better than him. I know it probably sounds like you're saying a quote out of a book, but no, he he's. Everybody there loves him, everybody roots for him and he um he's as hard on himself as anybody and he'll get better. He'll I think he'll have a good year this year. Um, you know, he'll get better.
0: Is Ole Miss going bowling in two
2: thousand and twenty? Woof. We'll be close. Um everybody'll hopefully be patient with Lane Kiffin. Um, you know, I, I think he's I think he's he's going in the right direction. We're getting in there with a lot of good recruits. Um but the the talent level, you know, with all the scholarship issues we've had and all the issues we have is just not It's not quite where it needs to be, but it's going to get there. If he goes to a bowl this year, he is the truth. Just put it that way. He's Bradley
0: Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, right now with the Chicago Bears. Don't know what it'll be in a month, but right now with the Chicago Bears. Good friend of the program. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again.
2: Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it, man.
0: That was former Ole Miss offensive lineman, current Chicago Bear, Bradley Sal, on the Modern Woodman phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Colin Brister coming back in just a second, but first – Let's hear from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and the Lamar, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. There's nothing quite like Oxford, Mississippi in the spring. Ole Miss baseball is in full swing. Double-decker, spring football practices, the Grove Bowl. You ride around in your car looking at the beautiful people, the flowers. Why not experience that in a new car, truck? How about a Jeep? Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044 or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, Chrysler Dodge, Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Oxford, Mississippi is one of the most beautiful towns in the entire country. And there's no place quite like Oxford in the spring. Maybe you've thought about moving to Oxford, but haven't taken the plunge yet. If you're in the market, you need only look in one place. The Lamar. Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood. And an innovative new development from John Welty Realty. Located just up north Lamar, blocks from the Oxford Square, the Lamar offers 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses. Only a few steps from your front door, a grocery store, brewery, shops, and other amenities. Build out on these modern open concept homes is happening, so get in now. Call them today at 662-816-2782. You can also reach out via email, hello at LamarMS.com. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett, at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Back with me, Colin Brister, at Colin Brister. Before we get out of here, the last podcast we did was the Mark Britt Day special with David Johnson. Colin was on assignment. He couldn't be on the podcast. Mark Britt, a four-star wide receiver, commits. Ole Miss football has room in its recruiting class for 2020 to add more guys. Mark Britt being one of them. It's late, 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 almost March And almost is picking up a commitment from a four-star wide receiver. There's some other guys left on the board. If you're Lane Kiffin, Colin Brister, what are you getting? If you could get guaranteed two guys, where are you
1: going? I think Lane's just secluded to the idea that they're going to be short on the defensive line. So you just get the best players. And then Zach Evans, I think, is one of the best players. Um, The the kid out of Florida that we talked about, uh, got it, Leonard Manuel, I think those guys are the two guys on your board. I don't really know enough about the uh, grad transfer mark, and I think we'll learn more and more as we move deeper into the year. Because I think spring practice is when—and uh, correct me if I'm wrong—guys might, you know, realize, hey, this is where I'm at in the depth chart. It's probably time for me to get out. Um, so I think we'll learn more about, you know, that realm over the next month. But I certainly think, you know, people probably need to keep their eye on Zach Evans. I look, I I'd get the kids, you know, kind of out there, but I think he's a good football player, and Ole Miss certainly wants him.
0: What are we going to be saying about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss football after spring football is over?
1: I don't know because we're, we're – I mean, you're not going to get to go see them. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's not going to be money stories coming from because there's no media availability. So what I, I don't really know what to be saying anything.
0: So no decision will be made on quarterback What the JUCO transfers <laughs> and or early enrollees, what the early enrollees, grad transfers look like. None of that stuff will be answered.
1: Yeah, I didn't – I was going to ask you, is Yabo already here? Did he graduate? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't going to know. I think they may know, but they may not tell you. So, I mean, th- there's no – I think you told me there's no media access for this, so how are we going to know a whole hell of a lot about what's going on?
0: I've heard different conflicting things. I've heard that there's going to be all of it open, some of it open, none of it open. That's the Lane Kiffin experience in a nutshell, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic with Kiffin because you kind of just don't know what to expect. Um, I wonder how Saban handled that in Alabama, but I don't know. I mean, I think spring practice is overrated. It doesn't really matter. So consume me over that, but it's just kind of mundane and gets old.
0: I wonder what kind of leash Lane Kiffin will get from Ole Miss fans. Like if Ole Miss only wins five games and they haven't gotten to see any practice and they haven't gotten to really hear from players or whatever, I don't think anybody cares about access. But if you're going to do the whole Saban thing, Saban wins. Here's the deal about this team or this job. This job is really hard. Mm -hmm. Let's not let anybody get it twisted. Doesn't matter who you bring in here. Doesn't matter. You can bring in Nick Saban, Amar, Kirby Smart, Dabo. It doesn't matter. This is a very hard job as far as you got to put in the work every single day to overcome so many different things because it's Ole Miss. Because Ole Miss operates on the same level as Alabama and LSU, but doesn't have the same resources. And I'm not talking about just in an official capacity, so, doesn't have the same resources. (laughs) It has to deal with all that nonsense that comes from national media about the history of Ole Miss and uh, this is what the Ole Miss is. So you have to put in the work every single day. You can't just rely on your staffers to do it. You can't just rely on um, the name recognition, the branding of who you are, Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, doesn't matter. You can't rely on those things, those built-in things that come at other places. This is a tough job if Ole Miss only wins five, only wins four. I don't know. Whatever the floor is, how Ole Miss fans will react. Because I think they're willing to
1: give Lane a really long leash. But Ole Miss fans can be fickle. Yeah. uh, Lane Kiffin wins five games next year and loses the Egg Bowl in Oxford. I don't think people are going to be real happy rolling into 2021.
0: Man, I'm telling you, and I I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. I know Mississippi football, it's exciting. Mike Leach is at state. Lane Kiffin's at Ole Miss. They're both nationally interesting. A lot of eyeballs are going to be on this state, these two programs taking big swings, but with big swings can come one of three outcomes, a home run, a walk, which is effectively six and six or a strikeout, a big time whiff. And it could just as easily be a big whiff as a home run, not to be a Debbie Downer, but there is disaster potential for this stuff.
1: But what do we always say about strikeouts? They're the same as a ground. So like, you know, two and 10, same as a five and seven. So,
0: yeah, well, not on the recruiting trail. And I think Ole Miss fans will be like this. They'll say, you know, if Keith sees that Lane Kiffin strikes out, or let's say that in this scenario, Lane not succeeding is Keith striking out, Ole Miss fans aren't going to go, all right, Keith, get the hell out of the batter's box. They'll tell him to get in there and swing again. And that's what the yeah, upside is that- with Lane Kiffin compared to other hires that you could have potentially made. Mike Norvell, a lot of people would have been excited, but it would have been much more muted compared to Lane Kiffin which is the big, big swing, and Lane Kiffin brings to you a safety net that you otherwise wouldn't have had, yeah, it could just completely blow up in your face. But if it does, Ole Miss fans will just simply say, hey, thank you for trying something that Ole Miss never tries, ever, ever. Ole Miss doesn't try this. And Ole Miss fans, more than anything, want to try stuff that hasn't been done before because the stuff that has been done before hasn't worked for nothing. So go take swings, big swings. And in three years, if Lane Kiffin failed spectacularly, Ole Miss fans will just come back and say, hey, we're in the same spot we were in three years ago. Go do it again. Because you keep buying lottery tickets over and over and over. More often than not, you buy the scratch-offs, they're not going to hit. But one might. One might. And if Ole Miss ever hit on that lottery ticket and won a national championship, nothing else matters. Nothing.
1: You know, Ben, we kind of experienced that because you you kind of look over at baseball, and I think some fans would rather, you know, miss the postseason three out of five years if it resulted in a trip to the College World Series. Um, so I think – I don't think you're incorrect in that assessment. I think they would take plenty of four and eights if it resulted in one SEC West championship, you know?
0: Yeah, just go to Atlanta.
1: Let's start there,
0: okay? Let's not talk about national championship. almost fans would trade <laughs> going to the Liberty Bowl and then the Music City Bowl, then maybe go to the Gator Bowl, then you're back to the Music City Bowl, and you're just recycling these experiences. I think they trade right now every single Cotton Bowl appearance in the modern era for going to Atlanta once. Easily. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If that's where your mindset is, that you would trade those Cotton Bowls to go to Atlanta, well, that's what the Lane Kiffin experience is. It could <laughs> fail spectacularly. But for the first time, I think almost fans feel like they're not – you know, pushing that rock up the hill. Cause these bowls don't matter. They don't. Yeah. Outside of the national championship, bowls do not matter. One iota. At least with an SEC championship, you get a trophy. You can say you're the SEC champion. Stands to reason too. If you win in Atlanta, you're probably gonna be in the playoff. But let's not think that far ahead. Just Atlanta. <laughs> Try to get to Atlanta. One time. One time. Fourth and twenty five doesn't happen. You're going to Atlanta. And then even if um, Hugh Freeze's
1: stuff is found on his phone. That's a fun game. Is Hugh Freeze still the coach here if fourth and 25 doesn't happen? Yes. <laughs> yes. Doesn't matter. You don't think the program implodes on it, though, if even if, like, I mean, because you don't think it implodes in 17 or 18. I guess Matt Luke did win six and five games, and Hugh Freeze is, is their coach by infinity, so. I don't know. Probably, yeah. If you go to
0: Atlanta, there is no way. See, Ross Bjork completely controlled everything decision-wise those last handful of years. He controlled everything. There is no Mm -hmm. way that those big money donors that have backed away, that infrastructure that was in place, given all that cash, would have backed off and let Ross make the decision to fire the guy who went to Atlanta. They would have pressured him and said, Ross, you can
1: resign. You can leave. (laughs) We're rallying around our guy. We're well, yes. saying these are missed dials. Yes. All 30 of them. Yeah. They'd
0: have closed <laughs> ranks. Everybody would have had the same story. You're going to Atlanta? No. There's no way. If he goes to Atlanta, 4th and 25 doesn't happen, he's still the head coach today, driving me batshit crazy. <laughs> no way. You're right. Think of the butterfly effect of 4th and 25. Then the crescendo of NCAA crap. And then Matt Luke's your head coach. Then all of that. Because of 4th and 25, Lane Kiffin is the head coach of almost football. And not Arkansas. And not Arkansas. Holy <laughs> cow.
1: Oh, 100.
0: What a way to end it. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister. At Colin Brister, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, it doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's a five-star review. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions or write for the Ole Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Thanks, Colin. Absolutely.